What's going on, Headliner Nation? It's just a quick reminder, if you dig the podcast, please take two seconds out of your day to leave us a five-star review. It helps us grow the show to a wider audience so we can continue to bring the football knowledge to the masses. We truly appreciate all the support. Thank you so much for your loyalty. Yeah. Analytics, all the chain, all the channels, not the same. Jake and Kyle, you know the name. Headliner Nation, we running the game. What is going on, Headliner Nation? Welcome back to the Fantasy Headliners Podcast. I'm your host, Jake, and you know who we got with us today. It's a new week. It's a Monday. Welcome back to work, and none other than the lone boner and the doc himself are in the house uh, to, to talk about for oh, what, 30, 45 minutes or so here just to get your Monday kicked off the right way. Uh, but how are you guys doing here today? Doc, you doing good? Yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm are feeling you? real good, Jake. I would real like good. to say that you're looking good, but I'm not, I don't want to lie first thing on a Monday. What? Are you trying to offend me? I mean, I've been cur- working hard. The curls are, are flowing right now. I've been working hard this week, Jake. You know, I missed How, it's last Monday. Week. How have you been working like, so hard? Dude, I, I always work hard. That's the key to <laughs> Even life. Even on the weekends, right? I missed last week's show. It was my yeah. birthday. Sorry. I had dinner with the folks, but I'm back. You're back. You're back now. And, and we also got the lone boner himself, Matt Galloway in the house. How you doing out there, Patty? What's good, baby? I'm feeling fresher than a breeze through the trees. And when I'm going, I'm taking all the leaves. You feel oh. me? Whoa. L- leaves be gone, even though it's about springtime and leaves supposed to be coming back. Right. <laughs> well, good, good. I'm, I'm glad we're here today. Hopefully you guys are having a great week here to start off. But the first thing I wanted to talk about today, and I really don't want to started off on a negative this is not meant to be a negative this is an open discussion however when i say my opinion it's going to sound pretty dang negative uh i want to talk about mock drafts for a second and i'm not just talking about fantasy football mock drafts the nfl draft right around the corner and a lot of people spending some time trying to contemplate what their teams are going to do in the nfl draft but what i've noticed over the past four five six years of doing this people get triggered super quick when it comes to mock drafts now in my opinion, and if I'm, if I'm wrong here or you disagree, you guys can hop in here and let me know. I look at it as a mock draft is not a prediction. Like, I don't think that this I'm trying to predict where these guys are going to go. I'm doing it as like, I'm going to play out different scenarios. And if different players go different places, what does that do as the draft progresses? That is not how a lot of people look at it. And I really feel that they should, because I think this whole society is caught up in Oh, you're trying to predict everything and you're trying to get everything 100% correct. When no, the reason we do multiple mock drafts all the time is just to see how it looks. What does it look like if some guys maybe get taken a little bit earlier than we had planned? I mean, there's been guys year after year that either fall in the draft or go way too early. We're talking what CEH going before Jonathan Taylor. We're talking about Alex Leatherwood being taken by the Raiders. I mean, some, some surprise picks happen all the time, but yet I feel like right now, Every time a mock draft is put out, it is just crucified because everybody thinks it's a prediction. So I kind of want to, we'll kick it off with here with you, Doc. Am I wrong here? Or is that kind of how you look at mock drafts? No, I think mock drafts, well, if we're just being honest, mock drafts are pretty useless. Yeah, for it's just, just for fun. analysis sake. It's kind of just conversation starters yeah. for me. Uh, it, it does help me kind of get a gauge on especially the ones that are done by people that have inside sources on where teams are leaning or maybe wanting to try to head towards, but I don't think that they're really, 
you know, I, I think we take these types of things way too seriously. Like we will have the whole summer to analyze the actual NFL draft. Most mock drafts I think are just for entertainment. Therefore helping people kind of get a gauge on where maybe their team could be looking to add some pieces. Uh, and just, just in general, like it is kind of fun to just speculate, like what would happen if this player ended up on this offense and how would that change, you know, the rest of the offense, how does it change it for fantasy? And I don't mind doing those types of mm -hmm. thought activities, but I think people get way too caught up with thinking that, like you said, people that we're trying to predict what's actually going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. Nobody does. There are players that are not even being talked about as day two picks that could go in the first round in this mm -hmm. NFL draft, especially a year like this year where we, you know, we think we know who the quarterback one is. We think we know who the best running back is. We think we know what the NFL thinks about the wide receivers, or I don't really think anybody knows what's happening with these wide receivers. Mm -hmm. None of the tight ends seem to be producing well in their pro days or at the combine. So, you know, they're a total crapshoot. The defensive players are all good. Not, I mean, there's a lot of good players in this draft, but I don't think there's any like you know, Miles Garrett level prospects mm -hmm. by any stretch. So we really don't know what's going to happen. So trying to hold us to a standard that we we're supposed to be predicting these, I think it's just kind of, a, I don't know. It, it seems kind of ridiculous to me. And, and I think it's kind of because a lot of people out there, they feel that this is a way to make a name for themselves as all oh, I'm, I'm going to predict the NFL draft. Right. And they think that it's going to bring them something when in, in reality, you're going to be way more wrong than you're right. So you're not really accomplishing anything. Mac, do you kind of kind of look at things the same way, not so much from a fantasy perspective, but from an actual NFL draft perspective that really is just to play out different scenarios. Yeah, that's, that's all it is, uh, to be honest. And, you know, it's just a fun thing, um, speculation. Um, you know, we all speculate certain things. I mean, it is kind of fun to, if, if you have a particular team that you root for, or whatever the case may be, and, you know, say if you are quarterback deficient and you need a quarterback, and then we got somebody that's highly talented or moving up the ranks. You know, it's kind of fun to say, well, okay, my guy, uh, my team is at, sitting at number six. You know, we can get this guy, whatever the case may be. So it's just a little fun in it, but it's it's pure speculation. Um, I don't put a lot of stock in it because, <clears throat> because, like I said, you know, at the end of the day, those owners and everything, they and the GMs, they know who they're going to pick, you know, before the draft even gets started. And they're not going to be out there in the media telling you who they're going to pick weeks in advance i'll have a lot of people oh this team said this i'm like do you really believe everything that's going on from the media from these nfl teams i mean come on they're not out there telling you their exact draft plans and this all came about because we had a mock draft come out recently and nobody seems to want to agree on two things one malik willis he is either he's one or two sides of the spectrum there's no like in the middle here he's either a top 15 pick or he's somebody who doesn't belong inside the top two rounds. It just seems like nobody is right there as a solid pick. It's one or the other. And the other one being Sam Howell. I think Sam Howell is somebody that a lot of people either feel he's very pro ready or that a lot of people I'm hearing this past week say that he's, he got worse during his time in college. And to me, that is what happens when you do nothing but look at box scores. If, if all you're doing is looking at box scores, don't be surprised when the opinions that you may have, don't come to fruition because there's a lot more that goes into that. You can look at Sam Howell and yes, his numbers did regress over his time in Carolina, but what happened 
during to, to cause that he lost Diami Brown to the NFL draft. He lost Daz Newsom to the NFL draft. He lost Michael Carter. He lost Javante Williams. He lost people and he had to all of a sudden take it upon himself. Was he rushing that much two years ago? No. Why? Because he had Carter and Javante. They didn't have that here this past year. He had to run the ball a lot more. I saw people comparing him to like Taysom Hill. And I'm sorry, in my opinion, Sam Howell way better than Taysom Hill, not only just running, but but throwing the football, a better quarterback. And is it me or is it that the quarterbacks just kind of seem to be the ones that are always the focus of where nobody wants to agree? It's like somebody may have an opinion on a quarterback, but okay, who, where did you come to that conclusion? Like, why should we listen? Because that's the one thing we ask all the time here is leave the comments down below on YouTube videos. We want to discuss these things with you guys. We're not trying to tell you we're smarter than anybody. But when you come across like you know what's going to go on, what makes, why should we listen to that? So is it just me or is quarterback Ethan like the most diverse position in the NFL to where people just can't seem to agree unless there's an, an overall standout? Well, I think that this class is definitely one of those classes where I don't feel like there is a QB one. And we see this every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think back to the times that we've missed a huge on quarterbacks. We being the collective people that talk about football for a living crowd. Um, Josh Allen is the most recent one where people were just blasting Josh Allen. He's not good. He's never going to be good. He can't throw the ball accurately. And we were all like dead wrong. And yes, he was an outlier from a statistical standpoint, but coming from college where he was not accurate to then, you know, becoming a very good, accurate quarterback in the NFL. But it just goes to show like we overthink, I think just across the board, everyone who watches football or watches these prospects, we overvalue our own opinion Mm -hmm. on each individual player. And so, you know, we did that with Josh Allen. We did, we did that with, I mean, the NFL did that with Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Our boy Matt can talk about that all day, but yes. that dude fell almost out of the first round mm-hmm. and he was an MVP candidate and actually won an MVP like within five years on his rookie deal. So clearly no one is like amazing at this stuff. Uh, the NFL can't even get it right. Most of the time, uh, Justin Herbert, another great example. Mm-hmm. Everyone was pretty much universally lukewarm on Justin Herbert. They're like, well, he's not one of the, you know, he's no Tua, you know, I mean, it, yeah. it was just universally accepted that he was just not a great quarterback prospect or a sexy quarterback prospect. And then all of a sudden within two years, everybody's like, see, we told you they should have taken Herbert. Like we always want to go back and pretend that we had the right takes after the fact. But like, I can tell you, I didn't think Josh Allen was going to play out. I did think that I, I, I actually did think that Lamar Jackson was getting undervalued from a fantasy perspective because that dude was special running the football, right. but still, even with Justin Herbert, it's like everyone wants to talk about like, like they loved Justin Herbert. Nobody loved Justin Herbert during the process leading up to the NFL draft. Yep. Nobody even loved him the first six weeks when he was competing for a job with Tyrod Taylor, like, Nobody loved that guy until he basically proved it. And then everyone would be like, I told you I was in on Justin Herbert. Yeah. You were in on him for a second round rookie pick. Like that's not in on a guy, you know, you weren't saying he was the one-on-one of super flex, you know, drafts. That's 
to me, it's just, we just way overvalue our abilities. And then we try to go back and be like, ha ha, I knew it, but we didn't. No, not, not at all. Now the Mac, if we, we talk about the two quarterbacks that I mentioned, we got Sam Howell out of North Carolina and Malik, Malik Willis out of Liberty. Mm-hmm. Are either one of those guys in your opinion, deserving of an early first round pick in the NFL? Um, Malik Willis maybe is the rawest out of the two, but probably has the the most upside, right? Um, so if I was a team that needed a quarterback, you know, say like maybe Washington, you know, a team that already has like a bridge, right? Mm-hmm. Then you can get him and and have him there to just marinate, kind of like what Pat Mahomes did, right? You know, under uh, Alex, Alex Smith. Smith yep. Yeah, I I would say um, Malik Willis probably fits that bill the best. But in actuality, man, I like Kenny Pickett better than all three of the. Well, out of the three, Kenny Pickett is my favorite. That's because small hands and all. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we ain't talking about hand size. Uh, Right. I don't mind Kenny Pickett. What I look at when I see Kenny Pickett is somebody who it just doesn't seem like. I, I don't know. I may, and maybe it's just my own personal feeling. I don't feel like he's somebody that I could throw out there week one and trust. Like, I feel like he's going to go through multiple years of a learning curve. I mean, we saw one huge year there in college. He does have a lot of experience. Yes. A hundred percent, but he didn't really turn on until his last year there. Sam Howell, in my opinion, is probably the most pro ready week one. If we're talking about just week one of this season, you draft somebody to start, Carolina that's where I had him I I love it the idea of him for Carolina because do you really want to go pay Cam Newton backup money again nobody on earth wants to come here from a free agent perspective you have Sam Darnold that you're already paying way too much money for you have Sam Howell who's a homegrown North Carolina kid who's mobile he can get outside the pocket if he needs to which is perfect because you brought in Cam Newton last year at the end of the season and have an offense somewhat conducive to a mobile style quarterback. And you're not expected to go out there and compete for the Super Bowl. So you have time for Malik Willis. That's why we think he fits so much better going to a place like Detroit early on because they have Jared Goff already, but they have some young pieces as well that if he can sit behind, you know, uh, Jared Goff for, you know, a season or so, he may have an opportunity to go maybe maybe next year with Amon Ra and TJ Hawkinson. Maybe they bring back DJ Chark. we got DeAndre Swift, other options there. And, and that, yeah, sitting for a year would definitely be, be beneficial for him. But, yeah, I, I'm just glad because I want to make sure that I wasn't the, the crotchety old dude that just felt like people were taking mock drafts the wrong way because it just seems like everybody just takes them way too serious, and, and they're meant to be a lot more fun, like Ethan said earlier, a conversation starter more than anything. So, all right, good. Uh, I, I'm just glad I'm not I'm not the bad guy here. We all we all seem to to agree. Now, speaking of the NFL draft, which is only what like three weeks away. I mean, which is absolutely crazy to think about. So Ethan's already been diving into his injuries and his rookie injuries. The injury guide is already out, available on the website, thefantasyheadliners.com. If you're looking for some injury information, the pre-order is available. Okay. Okay, I was like, me, whoa, easy there, Jake. Well, I just want to make sure it Don't says it on the, the website. Too excited. No, I got another month too. Well, yeah, well, you can't, yeah, you got to finish it by, by the, the, uh, the draft time soon. So there's a lot of these prospects that everybody's talking about and it's all over all the social medias. Now I don't want to give away any nuggets, you know, big nuggets anyway, due to this injury guy. But when you see these big name players coming in the draft, is there anybody that you see a lot of hype on 
that just makes you kind of cringe a little bit just because you're a little bit worried that people aren't paying attention to injury histories. Well, I think this wide receiver class as a whole is really, really fascinating. Um, so I've been doing these injury histories since 2018. So I've got a lot of wide receivers in the database already. Prior to this season, I had six instances, six individual players of players that had torn their ACL prior to being drafted in the NFL draft, uh, wide receivers. And of those six wide receivers, half of them have suffered a second ACL tear once they got into the NFL. The thing that makes this class really interesting for me from an injury perspective is the wide receiver group because we are doubling or almost doubling that group. Uh, we have five prospects that have an ACL tear in their injury history for the wide receiver group. And really it's, it's not like these are five guys that aren't going to get drafted. I mean, these are pretty high end or at least well-known players. Two of them are coming out of uh, Alabama. They tore their ACL two weeks apart from each other against the same team, uh, Georgia, but uh, Jamison Williams, John Mechie, those two are going to be really interesting. Jamison Williams is really the only one that I see getting first round buzz. Uh, John Mechie is more of a prospect, but again, both of them coming off ACL tears around the same time. You've got Justin Ross, who has a slew of injury issues. Who knows where we're going to really be able to tell where the NFL feels like he is health wise, because he had, he was the one that had the congenital fusion in his neck. He had an ACL tear when he was in high school. That's another one that, you know, who knows where the NFL is going to value him from the data that I've collected over the last five years. Like he is a hard avoid for me in all fantasy formats. Just it's not even worth the risk because there's almost no chance that he will make it um, and be a pro bowl level player, given his injury history uh, uh, injury risk rating. Uh, none of no one with an injury risk rating that high has ever made a pro bowl in the last five seasons. So um, it's just Justin Ross is just kind of off my board. Um, the other one that's interesting that I'm, I'm a lot of people are, are curious about is Traylon Burks. Um, <clears throat> Traylon Burks is getting first round buzz as a, as a wide receiver prospect. And he's got physically he's there. I mean, he's six, three, two thirty. not as, not as quick as people wanted him to be, but he still runs a four five. So I feel like quick that's enough. pretty darn quick for a dude yeah. that big. Uh, that's pretty elite speed. Uh, he tore his ACL when he was in high school. And so that's one that I'm keeping an eye on where, you know, how did that knee check out? Um, where does that put him? He, he did end up because it was a while ago, his injury risk rating did kind of end up more in the moderate category than the high risk category, which is good for him because again, high risk is basically a death sentence from a production standpoint. So he's an interesting one. And then we got um, George Pickens who tore his ACL, um, a year ago, but then ended up uh, playing at the end of the year. Uh, so we got five ACL tears uh, in the wide receiver group. That is very unusual. And so I'm really curious to see how that plays out, um, where these dudes end up going. Uh, does it push, does any of that push them into more of the second round territory? I feel like it should, but nobody wants to talk about it. And so um, I, I'm, I'm really, really curious because too often being the injury guy, I feel like sometimes I'm constantly like champion, championing, 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 champ, champion. I mean, I don't know. You're the doctor. You're the doctor. You can say yeah. however you want to say it. I feel like I'm constantly fighting people that focus mostly on film or focus mostly on analytics, analytics. Yep. because 
it, there's this like third section of a prospect's profile that the NFL really values, but from a fantasy perspective, we kind of universally ignore, or at least we don't, because you know you guys have me. But wow. across the board, across the fantasy spectrum, people avoid this topic, this injury component that the NFL thinks is probably the most important thing or one of the most important things that we just completely ignore. And it's mostly because the dudes that are doing film analysis and analytics analysis don't understand medicine and don't understand and haven't studied this stuff the way that I have over the last, you know, half a decade and don't have this it's a really guy. fancy way of saying five years. Well, Hey, I was trying to make half sound a decade better. sounds way longer half than five a decade years. Right. So way, way to go. Cooler, Good job. Right? Come on. I, give me one here, Jake. <laughs> uh, you've been doing YouTube for half a decade. Come on. Like more than half a decade, more than half a decade. <laughs> Six See tenths how much of a better decade. That sounds? <laughs> Take notes, Jake. So I feel like we just forget about it. And I'm constantly like, Oh guys, we have to consider the injury risk here. We have to consider that this guy every year. I'm like this guy that you have as your RB three statistically is fine, but from an injury perspective has a profile that has never succeeded in the last five years. We've never seen someone with an injury risk like this succeed and be a pro bowl level player. Never 0%. So why is he your RB three? You know, like those, those aren't good odds. conversations that people just don't want to have. I feel like I'm just like constantly fighting with dudes on Twitter and they're big names. They got little check marks and everything. And it's just like piss on those you, blue check marks. You are so confident in your ability to watch them play football that you are you're just masked to the idea that like you don't know everything, and that is just so exhausting for me. Yeah, I mean, I like to tell people, and maybe I've, maybe Max heard this before. I like to tell people whenever they just you know share their opinions because opinions are cool and all, but they're right. also like buttholes, right? I mean, oh, yeah. we all got them and they all stink, right? And so. I mean, it is what it is. Have an opinion. Cool. But you got to make sure you have that open mind. So Ethan just touched on something, Mac, and I want to get your opinion. And I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. He mentioned film versus analytics, okay. which is always a huge debate all over the place. Right. Me knowing you, I know that you probably tend towards the film side. Yes. You, you're, you're old school like I am. We both are both of our ages start with a four. So we we yes. watch film. However, what do you feel like? in this space the merging of film and analytics is is it important or do you think that's just one side or the other no i mean i think it's important um for me personally i use analytics as a confirmation of sorts of things that my eyes already tell me right uh, that's that's my whole thing but you know just like you said you know we're from the old school we watch film you know we like to see how people interact in certain situations that's the best form of um, assessment, in my opinion, you know, but then, you know, you got all these numbers, you know, and it, it kind of correlates, but I don't, if I had to do a percentage, I'm, I'm going maybe like 70, 30, you know, 70% film work for me, 30% analytics. And, and again, analytics for me is just to back up what I've already seen, you know, with my eyes. Exactly. And that's kind of where I, I am as well. I want to make sure that what I see on the film, if I see a wide receiver who seems to always be open, you know, then I may go to his advanced analytics and say, what's his average yards of separation on targets? So that is, am I seeing the right thing? And if all of a sudden he's got a, a two yard cushion on advanced analytics and on film, I'm seeing the guy consistently get open. 
that is a checkbox right there that yes, the guy has the ability to separate on targets. Like that's how I feel they kind of need to be married together. You can't just look at numbers. You can't just look at film. Uh, I do rely a little bit more on the film side as well. Uh, but I, I do, I fall in love with numbers. Ethan, what, what about you? How much do you use the analytic side of things when you're looking at uh, player analysis? I mean, <laughs> outside of my own injury stuff. <laughs> yes. Outside of your own stuff, because so, the world does not only revolve around you. You know, it's hard to believe this, Jake, but Uh-oh. I'm very confident in my injury risk rating. Well, I had no idea. I've never heard ability you say that. <laughs> to dictate whether a player will be good or not based on only their injury history. I should probably do something about that. I should probably look that up and see how good it actually is. Um, historically speaking, uh, I'm more of an analytics guy. I watch a lot of college football, but that doesn't mean that I'm really like studying it. I mean, I'm not talking just rookies, though. I'm talking about as a whole. As a whole? Mm-hmm. I would say that it's for fantasy football, it's, it's just a lot more about I listen to the people that are really good at those things. So me, so, you listen to me. That's great, Ethan. I appreciate that. I do. I mean, okay. I trust. I There's people I, that I, I trust was their that. opinions. Um. Some of them are more film guys and some of them are more analytics guys. And I trust when they're telling me something is an outlier or something looks on. Um, but I don't, I try to keep my, my, my sphere of influence when it comes to fantasy football, very tight. Uh, I don't want to listen 99% of the people that I follow on Twitter. I am not listening to anything they say ever about fantasy football. Um, that's not to say that they're not putting out good work. I'm sure that they are. It's just that I personally am not influenced from a fantasy or, you know, analytics perspective by those people, because I don't trust them them (laughs) i really don't listen to a whole lot of fantasy football podcasts anymore outside of this show obviously uh because i consume enough fantasy information through other means through twitter through youtube through this doing this show and researching for the show uh that i don't feel like i need really a whole lot of other people to tell me about all these other things Now, it is fun when somebody is really, really into a guy or not into a guy. I I will hear out those debates just because I'm curious about them. But um, it's pretty rare that I let someone actually influence what I do for fantasy from either perspective. I don't uh, I'm more of an analytics dude if I had to, like, pick one just because I'm more of a nerd, I guess. Um, But I really do focus more on just listening to a couple people from each side hearing them out. And that's only really if I'm stuck on, you know, between a couple of players. Yeah. I used to consume a ton of content and I can say this now because it doesn't affect either me or Max since we used to work together at a, the same company. Maybe they're listening right now. Maybe they're not, but there was plenty of times where we were discussing fantasy football and consuming fantasy football content at work. Uh, yes. A lot of hours went into it ever since we started doing this though. I did. And it wasn't a conscious decision. It's not like I just said, all right, I'm shutting myself out from every other outlet, but I, I, I stopped. And when I kind of get asked about it, Oh, did you hear what was on this show? Or did you see this? And I, I always say no, because I don't want somebody else's opinions to influence my analysis because then all of a sudden I'm using somebody else's opinion and then forming my own. I want to come to my own opinion before I just automatically take somebody else's word for it. I want to go do the research myself and, 
yeah, it, it can you can go down a rabbit hole, especially this time of year. Tell me, is this not hot take season? Because this is the time where the hot takes are just flowing. And the first yeah. thing that I can tell everybody is if you see a hot take that is not backed up with any information or reasoning, don't put any stock into it because people out there are desperate for clicks right now. Let me just tell you, I don't have the number in front of me. I guess I could pull it up. Uh, not that it really overly matters, but talk about clicks here in the off season. We are a channel, a fairly large channel that in season, it is not out of the question for us to get a couple million views a month. Like that's about normal in season. Just last month, we only had like 60,000 views for the month. So, I mean, that's a that's a huge drop-off. You know what I mean? And that's normal. It's happened every single year. That's It's just people don't consume as much in March. They'll, it'll pick back up right around draft season in April. And then you'll hear something once again in, in minicamp OTAs and then preseason. And then it goes absolutely crazy. But this is the time for people to go out there and make hot takes just so they can get the clicks. So, Max, say you're scrolling through Twitter or you're, you're on a YouTube video, whatever, you see a, a catchy thumbnail mm-hmm. and people are telling you to avoid people or that you have to have people right now in end of March, beginning of April. What is your mindset when you see something like that? Do you put any stock into it or do you, do you listen to it? Do you just blow it off? Like, how do you kind of handle things like that? Um, it, it really depends on where the source is coming from. Uh, me personally, I I like to, this is one of my little secrets, but I, I love looking at or listening to a lot of uh, beat writers. I follow a lot of beat writers for different teams to try to get a little bit of an inside scoop on certain things that they may see, you know, within a training camp, practice, whatever the case may be. Um, so if it's coming from someone that, you know, one of those, one of those sources, you know, I might check it out myself. You know what I mean? I'm never going to take someone's word just you know, off the top, I'll have to uh, look at it and see like, okay, let me see what's going on. Especially with somebody I've already did some type of film study on, you know what I mean? So long story short, I I really don't put a whole lot of stock in it unless it's somebody that I've, you know, got some faith in. A proven track record, right? Yes. Somebody who has a proven track record of supplying pertinent and correct information. Outside of that, I mean... I know Ethan. I know it bothers Ethan because he'll he'll message me on Twitter every once in a while, like, dude, I can't handle some of the BS on my timeline right now, and I love to see the emotion from the doc. You know, when when Doc's getting heated, it is a different type of emo- It's a different type of emotion because he's always cool, calm, collected. He's the funny guy, and when Ethan gets pissed, I I wish I could videotape him when he's pissed because it doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it is like pure comedy gold i hope i hope you know that ethan well i i do try to stay as calm and collected you do as i can uh but i i would say that i'm just when you and maybe you guys are probably the same way but because we've all been in this in the thick of this half a decade we don't we don't take <laughs> as far as i know jake and you you could tell me if i'm wrong but my understanding is is like you don't ever take days off, Mm-mm. right? For the last how many years? This is year six. Year six. So I've been doing it for five. Max been around for what? From the beginning. Five, six from yep. the beginning. He's an OG, okay? Yeah. So for the last six years, we never check out. And so I think sometimes when you've, 
when you never check out, you notice the trends of the community of the fantasy analyst community. And one of the trends that I have seen recently that I saw four or five years ago too, is this idea that we need to just constantly be churning thoughts into the space. Like we have to constantly tweet every single thing we think at all given moments. Mm. And I will tell you as someone who started and thought that for like six months, I was like, man, do I have to then constantly tweet my thoughts on every single thing all the time and constantly be engaging all the time? The number of people that I have seen, I can't even count them. The number of people I have followed that were three years ago, every, every single post, man, they were on it. They were tweeting out, talking about it, you know, giving their opinions every single time every single time over and over and over again. It's like, they were always on my timeline. Those people always burn out. Mm -hmm. They always fade away. You get to year. You don't get to where we're at by doing constant engagement farming. You don't get to having a stable fantasy gig by complaining about stuff, about not having one for years you don't get that. You know, you're just, you're not going to get a gig because guess what? When I see you complaining about not having a gig and I'm the one hiring, I don't want to hire that person mm -hmm. because that person thinks they've already earned it. That drives me crazy. So that's one of the things Two, the, just the, the burnout, dude, the number of dudes that come into this space because it is year round, you can mm -hmm. do it all the time. You can talk about football all day, every day. But the number of people, friends that I've had that have done fantasy football, websites, podcasts, I mean, great tools that they've created and made that fade into the existence over the last five years is just astonishing to me. They get burnt out. You get burnt out. You run at a million miles an hour because you feel like you're constantly craving this, like, you're never building anything. You're just shooting for hot takes and engagement and trying to say the next ridiculous thing that will get you more likes and clicks on Twitter and you get burnt out on it mm -hmm. because eventually people will stop caring about your engagement tweets. People will stop caring about these like hidden message tweets where it's like, I don't like Malik Willis. Why don't you, why do you, you know, and it's like, that isn't even analysis at this point. Mm -hmm. And so what I have learned over the last five years is that to do this all the time and not get burnt out on it, like you have to one, be like doing projects that actually provide value to the fantasy community. That's why I do my rookie injury guide. Cause I feel like it actually provides value. It's information that I want that other people want Two, you have to understand that like to do it full time, you can't you cannot engage a hundred percent of the time it isn't and do good work. It's impossible to do it. And so those are the things that get me fired up when I see people acting like they've made it because their engagement, they're constantly seeking this like engagement. And I just know in the back of my head, like I can count 50 dudes that I've known and seen in this community that do the same thing that you're doing right now 
that have faded into oblivion because once you get past that initial phase of like shooting a rocket ship up their butt uh hopefully that's allowed in our pg mm. podcast it is you're good you're um good. once you get past that like you get to the 10,000 followers on twitter and you start getting some people that are actually just looking for results and not just trying to blow smoke up your butt about how great you are all the time you realize that your content you never made good content yep you only asked for people to like your tweets you never actually got good at providing content you never evolved with the community you never provided any valuable assets to the community and those people are the ones that down the road are like well why can't i get a job because you never did anything worth paying for exactly and that's the biggest thing and that's why we bring stuff like this up it's not to just bash others it's because i feel like a lot of people are being misled and in a space that's meant to be fun and is very competitive let's be honest i mean we're all dudes for the most part there's like two percent females out there what's going on to all the ladies listening by the way uh appreciate you yeah absolutely but there's there's a lot of competitiveness and people play fantasy football because they want to win and they hate to lose, right? So I I just hate that people at this time of the year, because they're into it, they want to consume content, that there's so much garbage out there uh, that they are subject to. And it just drives us nuts. That's why I make sure we bring it up. But let's end it this way. I'm going to put you guys both on the spot. I want to call this little short segment, the fantasy love child. So I want to tell you guys to tell me, you're on the clock and I don't care what round it is. What is one name this year in your redraft league that you're going to try to take at, at any cost. The one guy that you want to leave every redraft draft with this year, Mac was already pumping his fist. So he already knows who it is. Ethan is looking. So I'll go to Mac first. You're on the clock at whatever round, what round do you prefer? And what is the name of the player that you want in every team? So first I got a little excited because I, I I was thinking since we were talking about the draft, I thought we was talking about like a free agent. I mean, no. not free agent, excuse me, but a rookie, but we're talking about just regular. Yep. In okay. fantasy football as a whole. Oh my gosh. Um, Man, listen. All his confidence he just had, all those fist pumps were for nothing, Ethan, because he's on the spot now and has no idea. He has no idea. Yeah, because I was going to talk about a – actually, and this is a hot take, but that's probably for another podcast, but I wanted to, to talk about James Cook. But we can talk about him another time because if we talk about Dynasty, I love me some James Cook. Okay. So, yes, we, but, we'll, let's do Dynasty we'll, next week, but this redraft right. here. Dynasty love child next week, so tune in for that. Okay. So, uh, I tell you, man, I think I'm going to have to go with Austin Eckler. He's your, he's your dude this year. He's my dude this year. Reason being because of real quick, uh, the additions that they made with their defense, man, it's going to put them in, you know, so many great, um, you know, positions on the field, you know, they, it's just going to be phenomenal, man. And then with the, um, the talent that they already have bringing Mike Williams back, signing him to his, you know, nice, you know, deal and everything. Nice little Um, chunk. Yeah. The defense but, uh, is what's sick, though. The defense is going to yeah. be so fun to watch in L.A. Dude, that is ridiculous, man. I mean, Khalil Mack and just, you know, uh, J.C. Jackson, you know what Bosa, I mean? So, yep. yeah, it's just it's, – but it's going to put him in, in you know, uh, field, field position just going to be favorable for that high-powered offense, and I think Austin Eckler is going to really benefit from that. So just so you know, by saying Austin Eckler, that means you ain't going to get a whole lot of Najee this year. 
Uh, no, wait a minute now. So, no, nope, nope, because <laughs> nope. they're both going in the first. You could only take one of them. Nope. Right. Not I happening. Hey, this. I, I know it. I know it. Okay. Forgive me, Najee, if you're listening. That's all right. If you're listening, he, he'd give you a, a slight pass. Not by much. Only because there's a Steelers uh, tapestry, I guess you could call it, hanging behind you there. All right, Ethan. Yes. <laughs> your turn. Who's the one guy you want on all your teams for redraft this year? You know, I I would say that if I can get, and I'm not sure that either one of these dudes is going to be available, but I am targeting Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams this year. Ideally, I'm hoping, knock on wood, different situations, different quarterback situations, one of those two is going to fall to the early third, maybe. I could see Tyreek falling that far. That. I yeah. would love those dudes. And the the waddle first, love is so high. That, one. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm all about that. I'm all about that life. So okay. I like that. Whichever one is cheaper of those two, um, because here's the thing. I do think that Tyreek Hill is going to be used similar to the way that Debo was used in the offense. The, A diet version. Mike McDaniel's offense re- revolves around yards after the catch. And so if he can implement that type of scheme, with Jalen Waddle, with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill could could this could be good for Tyreek Hill's career long term because he will always be quick in and out of those routes. We saw this this transcend that is way long long speed fades, but being able to run good routes and cut in and out, he will always be good at that, at least for the next five years. And so I feel like Tyreek Hill is going to be, you know, discounted, but I think long-term I, and even for this year, I feel like he's going to get a ton of targets and he's going to be a monster. Devonte Adams, like, come on, dude, this guy's going to get 170 targets. Easy. Like, do you remember Easy. when everyone was discounted DeAndre Hopkins mm-hmm. when he got traded and they were like, well, what are we going to do? It's like, no, man, are you crazy? He's going to have 150 targets in this offense because he's the only guy now. So uh, yeah, we're still on him. He may not get the touchdowns that he got with Aaron Rodgers, but he could easily get the receptions and yardage plus some. Derek Carr can throw for some yardage, man. Like, I I don't know. I feel like like the offense as a whole, having decent weapons, Darren Waller, if he can stay healthy, having that kind of, uh, you know, second guy that was never really there. Don't forget about third and Renfro. I mean, there there's some options here. I still think he's going to get a ton of targets. So I want one of those two dudes in the early third if I okay. can swing it. We'll see okay. what happens. Perfect. I have multiple, but I'm only going to list one because I'm not going to get greedy. I'm not that type of guy. Um, the more I dig into things and the more I look at things, the more I fall in love with Leonard Fournette. And I, I feel like that's either going to be a league-winning pick or I can't really say a league-losing because – if you're losing your league on draft day, you're not a very good manager. But Leonard Fournette is going to be on the verge of second and third round when it comes time to draft season. He's going to be on the verge because a lot of people, for whatever reason, just want to hop off the Leonard Fournette bandwagon. But when you look at the usage last year, sure, they brought back Gio Bernard. Do I care? No, because you got a Tom Brady offense with a ton of touchdown opportunities, and this guy's still going to go out there and get you 60, 70 targets in the passing game as well. You know about all the weapons on the outside. The boxes aren't going to be stacked. Leonard Fournette, late second, early third, I will not pass on this year. I will smash the draft button every single time that he is sitting there at that point of the draft. Earlier on, 
I'm, I'm going to have a hard time passing on the likes of Joe Mixon. I know he's going to be a, a tough one for me to pass, you know, late first if he's there. Uh, but yeah, Leonard Fournette, end of second, beginning of third. Uh, I, I, that's where I'm going to plant my flag as of right now here in April. Am I crazy for that? Who would you? Okay, so let's say hypothetically, using the players that we've mentioned, okay. um, let's say Mac gets his guy, Austin Eckler, at what, third, fourth pick? Yep. Yeah. You swing way, back around. Yep. You end Look. up with Leonard Fournette. And then you're you going to probably have to get... take him in the second. Yep. Either Leonard Fournette or one of the guys I mentioned, Tyreek Hill, Devonta Adams. Yep. There's a pretty good chance that you could end up with every guy that we mentioned yep. in this in this segment on your teams, and you're. And I would say that that is kind of an ideal start. Eckler, Fournette, Tyreek Hill, and I'd two RB ones starting out three rounds. Dude, that's going to be hard to beat, and, and then- that translates for even if you watch this and listen to this now even if you're drafting six months from now i still feel like that will be the case as long as none of these guys are hurt 100 percent, and i really can't i can't i don't know if i can argue that i don't i don't i don't see why not unless one of them you know barring an injury i have no issues with whatsoever i just thought that would be kind of cool to put you guys on the spot there for a second uh find out where planting flags we'll do dynasty next week so do your homework uh, find your your number one dynasty buy, the guy that you want on your dynasty roster more than anybody else, whether you already have him in some leagues or not. But uh, we'll, do, we'll do that next week. But for now, we're going to get out of here on a Monday. We try to keep the show a little bit shorter for you here, but don't forget, we'll have another show coming out on Wednesday. If you can do us a favor, hit that five-star review, leave a positive review here if you can to help grow the show. I want to tease a little bit, though. We have a giveaway that we're going to announce on Wednesday's show. So don't miss that. We're going to have our first ever audio podcast giveaway. And I spent way too much money on the giveaway. So you're going to want to tune in to find out uh, what you got to do to be entered and what exactly it is. So we'll talk about that here on Wednesday. But uh, Ethan, Mac, appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedules here to hang out with us for a little bit here Monday morning. Hopefully you guys have yourself a great week ahead of you. We'll talk to you on Wednesday, though. But for now, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you later. Thanks.